Welcome to the All Things Nintendo podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. We are officially in Nintendo live stream season, as earlier this week we got a Nintendo Direct partner showcase full of third-party announcements. We'll be breaking all that down, plus a decent amount of news outside of that Direct. So, news-heavy episode, but we'll also have an impressions discussion of Princess Peach Showtime later this episode. But joining me for this first segment of the show is Game Informer Magazine content director Kyle Hilliard. Kyle, Hello. what is oh, new I in t- your life? I went too early. I'm oh, sorry. You did. I was just so excited to say hello. I'm glad that you're excited to be here. But uh, yeah, what is new in your life, Kyle? Give me one thing that has happened that is uh, exciting and new. Oh, geez. I like. I feel weirdly put on the spot. I, I mean, nothing, really. It's like a boring week with good video games in it. I don't know. All right. <laughs> like, I play, I've been playing Rebirth. That's fun. Yeah, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. It's so good. At least I, I think so. I mean, it's even yeah, like it. seems to think so. Um, but yeah, I am loving that game. Uh, unfortunately, not a Switch game. But, you know, if you uh, squint real hard, maybe uh, Final Fantasy VII Remastered on your Switch can be your Rebirth. <laughs> you got to squint real hard. You like, do. You got to close your eyes, basically. But As somebody yeah. who was playing Final Fantasy VII Remastered on Switch, well, like three months ago, it's uh, it's a stark contrast between the <laughs> graphic styles of those those games. Yeah, but uh, you know, before we dive into the Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase that I talked about, we did have a few news stories outside of that live stream that are worth talking about. So uh, this actually happened minutes after we stopped recording last week's episode. A report surfaced that the next Nintendo console might not be coming in 2024 after all. So, again, nothing officially confirmed, obviously, because Nintendo has not said anything official about its uh, Nintendo consoles, but or its next Nintendo console. But this comes from Video Game Chronicle, which has a pretty solid track record in the past. Um, according to VGC, multiple developers that they have talked to have confirmed they are working on games for the next Nintendo platform. And a few of them said that it now has a release date of early 2025. Meanwhile, other developers they've talked to have also said that they are working on a Nintendo a, a game for what we're just going to refer to as Switch Two because I'm tired of saying next Nintendo console. Uh, they're working on a Switch Two game, and that all of them are scheduled for early 2025. But some of them couldn't confirm whether or not that was also when like the Nintendo console would be coming. So. Then on top of that, uh, Pedro Henrique Lute Lipe, who is the journalist who broke the news, posted on a forum that he is hearing that the following schedule is going to happen. So February, Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase, which came to pass. March, Indie World Presentation. April, a Nintendo Direct Proper. And then June, a Switch 2 Reveal, which I think sounds realistic and he's he said obviously it's all subject to change nothing is set in stone with that but that is what he is hearing and uh then of course the disclaimer none of that is coming from nintendo only through third-party reporting and sourcing so take all that with a grain of salt but so the thought is reveal of for this year but actually having the hardware would be next year is the thought that's the current reporting that's what that would indicate but uh i mean ever shifting sands it feels like at this point because we, uh, you know, some some of the reporting, not necessarily from VGC, but from other people where it's been like, oh, the Switch Pro is coming any day now. And, you know, it's been since, I mean, the, the literally the first episode of this podcast was when the Switch OLED came out. And I told Ben Reeves and Alex Stadnick, 
I'm not going to buy this because I don't want to buy it. And then a year later have the switch pro, which is the one I actually want come out. And I've been waiting for that ever since. And guess what has not happened? The switch pro. So I always take some of these reports with a grain of salt, but VGC has a very solid track record um, when it comes to Nintendo sources. Uh, but yeah, that is the the notion is that they would reveal the switch Two or whatever they end up calling it in June. So probably around summer game fest timeframe, you know, Nintendo has always done either an E3 or summer game fest uh, period Nintendo Direct. So uh, theoretically, that's when we would get our first mention of that from Nintendo itself. And then uh, according to the reporting, it would come out in early 2025. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, it sounds logical and realistic. I I think it's... It feels right, if nothing else. It's a bummer (laughs) that we aren't getting one this year because I think everybody is kind of ready for the next Nintendo console at this point. Yeah. Um, especially given how, you know, a lot of the multi-platform games have started not coming to Switch or have come to Switch and like have very obviously not been the best version. Um, We talked about how Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, the Switch version has these super awesome platform exclusive loading screens on the Switch version. (laughs) Uh, Or how... um, you know, obviously, even exclusive titles like Pokemon Scarlet and Violet don't run very well. Uh, Penny's Big Breakaway, which we're going to be talking about here in a moment because it was a surprise launch. It uh, it doesn't run at the same frame rate or resolution as the other versions, which, you know, on is Switch, yeah. on Switch. Yeah. So it's becoming obviously a more difficult thing for developers to bring their, their games over to Switch. And when they do, it's often a a noticeably worse version. So I think the industry is ready for a new Nintendo console. I think the players are ready for a new Nintendo console. I'm certainly ready to stop speculating about this stupid system. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's the thing I'm ready for. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the update. Your, your almost weekly update of <laughs> what's going on with Nintendo's next system. Um, but Kyle, we've got some Pokemon news. Did you hear about this franchise Pokemon? I've heard of it. And so, I've played it. February 27th. Very special day every single year. Do you know why? Yeah, what's it's Pokemon Day, right? But what is what is the significance of that day? Do it's my know? birthday. Is it really? It is. Well, happy, it's also happy Pokemon birthday. Day. So that that's the the anniversary of when the first game released or the first games oh, released okay. in Japan. So that's why it's Pokemon Day, February 27th every single day. I like it because I share a day with Pokemon. I share a birthday with Pokemon, which means I get Pokemon news on my birthday every single year. So one of my favorite franchises. Uh, Oddly enough, side note here, my dad and brother have the same birthday, August 23rd. And that is the uh, anniversary of Super Mario World and the SNES in the United States. When you started that sentence, I thought you were saying that you, your dad, and your brother all have a February 27th birthday. No. And I was like, what are the freaking odds? Uh, Apparently, what are the odds? Because they didn't happen. (laughs) What are the odds that my brother would be born on my dad's birthday of all the days, right? (laughs) That is weird. That's funny. Uh, But yeah, so we we were a very video game anniversary oriented family, (laughs) apparently. But earlier this week, the Pokemon company confirmed it is once again doing its annual Pokemon Day Pokemon Presents live stream. And uh, this is the last Nintendo, or all things Nintendo episode before that stream happens. So, do you have any predictions, Kyle? 
Um, something, something backwards facing. I don't mean that in a negative way, but like classic Pokemon, you know, they're maybe red and blue come to switch or there's a new remake or something. It's not going to be something wholly new if that, I think, right? I, I mean, the, I think the clubhouse leader is the next entry in the Pokemon Legends series. Mm, like how we got Pokemon yeah. Legends Arceus last time. And that was to coincide seemingly with the remakes of Gen 4. So you know, people have been clamoring for a Gen 2. I wonder if we get like a Pokemon Legends like Celebi or something. And then that's yeah. like the Johto remakes come later this year or something. I mean, that certainly demands a sequel, right? Like people really like that game and it sold well, right? It was the best Pokemon game that year when, you know, it shared a year with Scarlet and Violet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. I'm just saying I don't know, like a sequel is not necessarily guaranteed, right? Like Scarlet and Violet were like, well, yeah, we're we're getting... um. We're getting follow-ups to that because it's just a generational game. Yeah, okay. Um, but but yeah, ne- ne- Legends, we're not sure. But I would be surprised if there wasn't some sequel in the future. So we are just past the 25th anniversary of Pokemon coming to the U.S. Do you think like Red and Blue is the actual clubhouse leader here in terms of like, I mean, we already got essentially switch remakes of those games through let's go Pikachu and Eevee. But no, I I don't think those are being remade. I mean, those, those are, I'm saying maybe like the original game boy games come to switch online or something. We've been Um, waiting for a while at this point. Yeah. And I mean, Nintendo knows that they can sell those individually, um, which maybe they would do that. But yeah, I mean, I guess the next up in the queue is like black and white. Is that, is that right? I, yeah. Cause that's the gen five games um unless they're sort of looping around and then they're doing another yeah like like a let's go um johto gold and silver yeah let's go johto which would be a good title it would be um i would i I mean i would love that hopefully again they learn from the fact that they went way too casual with the the wild encounters in let's go pikachu and eevee and like there's a lot of, there's a lot to like in Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, but there's also yeah. some adjustments they could make. But then also, like, if you read the feature that I wrote about uh, the current remake trend in the RPG scene, you know, I interviewed the directors and producers of Persona 3 Reload, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, and a producer on uh, Star Ocean, the second story R. But I also pulled a quote from uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, Pokemon Sword and Shield director Shigeru Omori, from my 2019 cover story trip that I did out there. And I asked him about like what let's go Pikachu and Eevee was like, what it accomplished. And his response was like, well, it also, it like we wanted to remake a familiar game because it allowed us to kind of really find our chops to make a game on a console instead of a handheld. Sure. So I don't know if like the let's go series is meant to continue as much as it was just kind of like, let's, remake a game we've already remade before and learn how to make high resolution 3d models through that um yeah that would make sense yeah yeah i don't know i'm not sure if you want to watch the pokemon presents live it happens on february 27th which is tuesday of next week 6 a.m pacific 9 a.m eastern i will actually be on the west coast during this so I probably won't be watching it live, if I'm honest, because I don't think I'm going to be waking up at 6 a.m. Pacific, <laughs> especially since I think I'm going out for my birthday with some friends the night before. So probably not in the cards for me to watch that one live. Um, but did you watch the Pokemon Concierge series on Netflix? Uh, I, w- I watched a little bit of like the first episode or so, like with my family. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit. It's cute. 
It's very cute. Only four episodes. I have not actually dipped into it because I have just a million other things that I either want to watch or play. But it was really well liked by all the people that I've seen who have watched it. And like I saw this news come across and people were like very celebratory because we don't know any details. But Netflix and the Pokemon company have confirmed that new episodes are currently in production. So, yeah, seems like good news for the people who watched that first. I guess you can call it a season first segment of the series if you they don't want to use that nomenclature but yeah some good pre pokemon presents news coming out of the world of pokemon and then time magazine you hear this uh this magazine kyle i'm familiar with them yes it has released special commemorative issue showcasing pokemon so there are four collectible covers featuring pikachu charmander squirtle and bulbasaur 96 pages celebrating the 25th anniversary of the series in the U.S. And it looks like you can buy it on Amazon for $15, but you have no way of choosing which cover you get. So you might kind of be better off going to like your local grocery store or bodega or whatever, Mm. whatever sells magazines. Time Magazine is usually one of the mainstays. So uh, that's one to keep an an eye out for. Uh, So, yeah, that's probably what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to... I'm really mad at myself now because I was just at Target yesterday and it's like, I probably should have just seen if they just, does Target even have magazines? I don't even know like what the, what the structure of Target's magazine section would be. Is it just by the cash registers? Is that? Yeah. They they usually have like people and stuff there. Yeah. I don't know if they have time over there. That's a, that's a, again, one of the mainstays time magazine, but uh, I might be better off going to like a pharmacy or a grocery store that has like the dedicated like magazine rack. You know, then maybe you could pick. I would love to be able to like, I would like the the Charmander and the Pikachu one, like Pikachu because it's classic and Charmander because he's always been my favorite starter of Gen 1. But that is all the Pokemon news for today. Uh, A couple quick hits outside of this Nintendo partner showcase that we're going to be spending the rest of the news segment on. But um, do you see that there is a Mario airplane right now? Like up in the sky? Like I need to look up? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's currently on a <laughs> flight, but uh, Spirit Airways. Let's see here. Um, I did not put this in my notes, so I'm currently searching. All right. United or Universal Studios Hollywood and Spirit Airlines soar to new heights with the first ever Super Nintendo World themed Airbus. So Spirit Airlines, uh, they have a bright yellow plane and it has Mario on the side of it to celebrate the one-year anniversary of Super Nintendo World opening at Universal Studios Hollywood. When you, so when you get on there, um, I guess you're just on a Mario plane. So for, yeah, I'm looking at it now. It, 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 I was, I thought Mario would be more of like a presence on the overall plane, but they just he's put just like a vinyl like wrap a, on it. It looks like, like a chunk on it. Like this is like the back, the back quarter. It's like, yeah, it's Mario. Oh, yeah. All it's, right, cool. it's not the most impressive reskinning of a plane that I've seen, no. but it looks like uh, <laughs> 20 us cities. It You have the chance to fly on this thing. I don't know mm. if there's going to be anything special on there. They're, they're in this press release. They're touting that to celebrate the one year anniversary the actual Universal Studios Hollywood has like a special golden power-up band, which I knew about already, but there's also a free one-year anniversary button while supplies last. So, Mm. uh, And there's a new power-up cafe that serves special food items, which is good because when I went to the one in Universal Studios Hollywood, I couldn't get into the Toadstool Cafe because it was booked solid throughout the entire day. Oh, really? Whereas when I was in the one in Osaka, I could just wait in line. And it was great. Whereas this one, I think you have to at the one in Hollywood, you have to make a reservation and like 
by the time I got there, I scanned the QR code and was like, sorry, there are no reservations for today. And I'm like, well, that sucks. <laughs> but it sounds like there's like they they realize that it was difficult to get into and they have like a, a separate like kind of kiosk that you can go to and just get like some of the food items if you want to not go through like the dining experience. Mm, okay. But uh yeah, so that's fun. <laughs> and then we're gonna be talking about the stuff coming out of the Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase, but there was something that was announced on the Japanese Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase that we did not get in the US version, and that is Mother Three. The game that people <laughs> yeah. have been wanting for decades now to come to the U.S. They finally announced it's coming to the Switch Online service, but only in Japan. So <laughs> Game Boy Advance RPG Mother 3, follow-up to Earthbound that people have been dying for a localization. And it's only in Japan. And this is also the, the second time this has happened because it also came to the virtual console on Wii U in 2015, but that was also only in Japan. So, you know, Reggie Fizame, uh, former All Things Nintendo guest, but also, you know, probably just as notably former president of Nintendo of America. <laughs> One uh, of those is yeah, more widely known than the other. Yeah. He has uh, made the point to enjoy trolling people on this in his post Nintendo career. Obviously Nintendo probably didn't like him doing that too much when he was at Nintendo, but now he's just kind of like laughing about it and like, but it's Nintendo must know that people are dying for a localization of this game. So it, it's probably a little bit of salt in the wounds to have it come to switch online, but be like, Oh, not you only in Japan. Yeah, I mean, I, it would be an investment, right, to localize the game properly. There, There is a really good fan localization. Like, I've played a fair bit of that fan localization of the game. And um, and they've, it's funny, they, they even offered it to Nintendo, that localization. They're like, you guys can just have it. If it means the game is officially available, here's a fan translation that we did. But, you know, Nintendo doesn't want to do that i mean for a million legal reasons etc yeah, i say the lawyers were probably like yeah no 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 but um yeah i i i can't i, I yeah i I'm, i wonder why they don't i mean I, like i said i know it would be an investment it would take a while to get a group of people to translate the game fully that's not a, an easy task but uh but there's a game that is already existing, fully developed, that people have wanted. Yeah. It seems like the the localization would be among the least amount of effort that would be required in like the process of developing an entirely new RPG, you know? Yeah. I've also I've it, it it's also like I didn't run I played I don't know like the first ten hours of it or so, and I didn't run into anything that to my memory that was like really offensive or felt out of time but i i do hear people bring that up sometimes that oh, okay. it's like the content of the game it just wouldn't wouldn't uh wouldn't swing in america these days it is a surprisingly dark game there's um, a decent amount of that in earthbound as well right yeah but mother three is darker um, okay for sure like out of the gate but yeah even still i it is it to this day it is still surprising i'm, I'm not sure well, yeah, I don't know. We'll never probably know what the the holdup is or what their reasoning is, or if they're just like, they don't, you know, they're just looking forward, I guess, is what it all comes down to. Yeah. And I, I mean, localization is definitely a huge piece of the puzzle. I mean, we've done features on like the difficulties of localization and like the nuance required for that. But I feel like Nintendo has such a good localization team at this point that they could probably massage it in ways that would work. And like, it's not like, there are games out there that aren't dark subject matter. I mean, I just played Persona 3 Reload, which is 
focused wholly on the uh, like death and loss and you know different kinds of ways that people can die and you know there's there's a lot of really heavy themes in that game yeah and i know it's not on switch it's not a nintendo published thing and i know nintendo is sometimes careful about the games that they they publish especially these days um and but even dating back like miyamoto's first game did not come out because it had religious symbolism and Nintendo yeah. America is like, no, we're not going to do that. Well, it is uh, out now. It is out Finally. now on Nintendo switch online. <laughs> but, right. uh, but yeah, that, that was just a, an interesting thing. How Nintendo's always kind of drawn the line. I remember, and obviously like there's the famous Ocarina of time thing where they, they accidentally published a religious chant in, in the fire temple and then had to reissue it with that, that removed. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nintendo's always been very uh, cautious about, very dark themes and also religious symbolism. So I don't know, maybe there's some of that stuff in there that is making it be uh, more hesitant on the American side of things. But I don't know, like it feels like anything would be better. Like even like, I don't even know, like it just feels like there's something there that they could harvest and bring over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right, Kyle, let's get into this Nintendo direct partner showcase. It was 25 minutes long, and it gave us a lot of third-party and indie games to look forward to on Switch. Uh, we don't have to dwell on most of these, but it is worth mentioning, I think, the the full run of announcements here. Uh, and then just something for you to keep in mind as we go through it. I'll ask you about the, the ones that really stuck out for you at the end here. So just mm-hmm. while we go through these announcements, maybe just make a mental note or even a physical note of which ones that are your most anticipated or biggest announcements here. So... Uh, let's start off with the ones that I think were the most talked about coming into this, and that is Grounded and Pentiment coming to Switch. So these are both previous Xbox games and uh, Xbox exclusive titles. And, uh, you know, there was the big talk of Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond over at Xbox saying, like, hey, we're going to be bringing four previously exclusive games that have been on Xbox exclusively for at least a year. And the reports all said Pentiment Grounded, Sea of Thieves, and Hi-Fi Rush. We all thought Hi-Fi Rush was a, a slam dunk for Switch. That was what <laughs> yeah, some of the reporting yeah. was doing. And that, that circles back to that comment I made earlier where, like, you know, sometimes reporting either is not fully accurate or it is uh, kind of operating on ever-shifting grounds, you know, where it's like maybe at one point Hi-Fi Rush was slated to come to Switch and then it ended up not happening. So Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Thieves are not coming to Switch but they are going to PlayStation, so they are going multi-platform. Right. And then the ones that are coming to Switch are Pentiment and Grounded. Both of them are developed by Obsidian Entertainment. And uh, Pentiment is available now on both Switch and PlayStation. And Grounded is coming on April 16th to both Switch and PlayStation. And uh, Grounded will have a cross-platform play. So if you want to play with your friend who's been loving Grounded over on Xbox or PC, or they're going to pick it up on PlayStation, you'll be able to do that. And... Uh, for those who care and about the PlayStation release of Sea of Thieves, that will also have cross-platform play. But yeah, so that that was something that we were all looking forward to, seeing like what the actual landscape was going to be with these previous Xbox exclusives. We got Ender Magnolia, Bloom in the Mist, which is a sequel to Ender Lily's Quietest of the Nights. That's coming summer 2024. A Ranger, which looks like a pretty cool, uh, like almost tile-based puzzle game like top down and then there's like rows and columns that you move and as you move on the world the row or column that you are moving on on the grid shifts with you 
So, you know, like kind of controlling how the grounds are shifting as well. And it seems like there's going to be some pretty cool puzzles there. That was my first time seeing that game and it looked pretty neat. Did you get a chance to check out that little stinger they showed? Yeah, no, I, it, it stood out among the sort of um, the original games, you know, that weren't sequels or anything. I was like, oh, this looks neat. I don't, I don't know if I've played a game like this before. Yeah, that was one that I was like, oh, I'll make a mental note to check that out when it, we get closer to launch because it looks right up my alley, honestly. It looks... Um, Kind of like, I, I, was it Wes yesterday on the Game Informer show who said it almost, or was Marcus, I think, who said it reminded him of Cadence of Hyrule, but without the rhythm stuff? Right. Yes. I could see that. I could, or yeah. Crypt of the Necrodancer if you want to go back further to the, the roots of that. But yeah, a ranger coming sum, summer 2024. We got a new trailer for Unicorn Overlord, which I know you're excited for. And we already knew the release date for this one, March 8th, but the news was there is a demo now available. It looks like you can play the first five hours of the game and then your progress will transfer over to the full game. So that's exciting news. Uh, why are you so excited for Unicorn Overlord? Um, well, I, it's funny. I just like the developer. Um, Vanillaware. Vanillaware. I, I actually like it's it's one of those studios where I'm like, I don't actually really like play their games. Uh, like my wife does and really loves them, but like, I just love the way they look and they're sort of like one of those studios that, uh, every one of their games has like, is pretty unique and interesting. Their, their last game, I like a lot of people like love that game. Um, 13 Sentinels, yeah, which was kind of like a sci-fi, like visual novel with like a little bit of strategy gameplay in there. Uh, the, the people who really got into that game adore it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm always sort of rooting for VanillaWare, and I'm always excited to see what its games look like. But if I'm being fully honest, I don't know that I'm personally going to spend a ton of time with Unicorn Overload Overlord because I'm just I'm not even like a big Fire Emblem guy either. You know? Yeah, it does seem like uh, I, I mean, maybe there's some thematic way or reasoning behind the name. It does not look like a game that I would expect Unicorn Overlord to look like. <laughs> yeah i don't i don't i'm I, I i guess unicorns are like important mythical creatures in the in the world and like you are striving to rule them or something but it it sounds like a a fake video game name i mean they're not really good at naming games like what the hell does odin sphere mean uh 13 sentinels aegis rim is like three of those words aren't real words <laughs> you know like they i think one one of best. those words is not a real word i think sentinels and rim are both real words <laughs> what was the vanilla where um beat em up that was well liked uh what was that game it was like a fan of, even that game it's like dragon something i can't even remember the title right like which is telling like truly like they're they're bad at naming their games um muramasa dragon's crown it just sounds super generic. That could be anything. <laughs> so. I remember seeing that at like one of the PAX Easts I went to a long time ago, or maybe it was PAX West, and just being like, oh, that looks like a generic game that I will never hear about again or play. But yeah. it turns out it found a crowd. It's a they're good games. Like all these games are good and well liked, but the titles are just like hard to remember and weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next one I know you are excited about, Disney Epic Mickey Rebrushed. Yes. It's a 2011 Wii game coming to Switch with updated graphics, new skills for Mickey, and a mysterious number of other improvements. So you said you, on the Game Informer show, you were excited to 
replay this even before this announcement was made. Yeah, it's funny. I I went to Disney World with my family last year, and so I was like kind of all in a Disney mode. And actually, I was at my brother's place, and he had the Wii game. I was like, oh, I'm going to borrow this and play it just because I'm in a Disney mood, and Epic Mickey is so relevant to Disney history. It is a game about Disney, about Mickey Mouse history, which is like a fun idea. And like, it's Epic Mickey is a game I wanted to like so much more than I actually did, if that makes sense. I was really excited for it. The Game Informer cover is really uh, cool and interesting. I remember seeing that cover and being like, whoa, like both like, wow, this game looks crazy. And and also, wow, Game Informer is doing some really special stuff here because that was like that marked a turning point for the magazine's visual direction. Yeah. Putting Epic Mickey on the cover. That was when we did our we started doing our current cover style of like yeah. getting a really cool exclusive piece of art on the cover and then doing like a deep dive on a game within the the pages of the magazine. That was the first issue that did that back in it was probably 2010 because the game yeah. came out in 2011. We used to get <laughs> the games a lot earlier than we do now. Yeah. And then, but then when I played it, I like got it the day it came out on Wii and was pretty underwhelmed by it. Like it well, does. It was a nightmare, it, right? It didn't feel great. Like the, it was just sort of, I was so curious about like the, the world and the story, but like playing it just felt rough. And uh, I, I, for that reason, like I'm hopeful that the Switch version maybe cleans up some of those issues I had with it, and I can maybe I can actually finish it this time. Uh, I I want to like that game a lot, and I'm hopeful that I will. But uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to give it another chance. I think I kind of bounced off it pretty quickly. But maybe if it comes out and they're like, oh, they retooled a lot of this stuff. The camera feels great again, or feels great for the first time. The first and- time, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe I would give it a shot, but we'll see. I don't know if that has a release date. I don't think so. I think it's just kind of coming soon to Ryan. Wii it's one uh, I would I would check out for review if if, oh. if if you're looking to assign things in the future. Well, I will keep that in mind. Uh, one that I was not looking or I was not expecting was Monster Hunter Stories, which is a 2017 3DS game. We, the sequel actually released on Switch a couple years ago. Yeah. And uh, so they're bringing the 3DS version forward, which tells me they could bring the 3DS version of Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Because <laughs> I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, you can get this 3DS game on the Switch. Why not? Yeah, Link Between Worlds, all those games. Yeah, just bring them all to Switch. What it's are we doing? easy. Come on. It's so easy. Game development, localization. It's all just simple stuff. <laughs> Uh, but it's coming to Switch, PlayStation, and Steam with HD visuals, new voiceovers, a museum mode, and new content that was previously locked to Japan. So <clears throat> we get the Japan content in this one. We just don't get Mother 3. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, all right. So Shin Megami Tensei Five, which came out in 2021 on Switch. What? Oh, I was about to say, is that another 3DS game? Five? Or I must be thinking of four. No, uh, four was a 3DS game, but okay. five was the first mainline one to come to Switch. Uh, three is three got a remaster on Switch a few years ago, but this is basically the Persona 5 Royal of Shin Megami Tensei Five, which for those who don't know, Persona is a spinoff of the Shin Megami Tensei series, or at least it started out that way. Now it's its own thing entirely. But uh, dropped Shin, Megami. Shin Megami a while ago. What was that? They dropped Shin Megami Tensei from yeah, the so, titles a while ago. Yeah. 
Um, Shin Megami Tensei Five Vengeance is kind of like the ultimate or definitive version of SMT5, and it adds a new storyline, new locations, new demons to fight, and new platforms. No longer a Switch exclusive. It, this version is coming to Switch as well, but it is coming to PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. That comes out June 21st. Also, from what I understand, the ability to save anywhere, which I think needs to happen in almost every RPG, unless there's like a very good reason for not allowing you to save anywhere. Yeah, it is nice. Like or save most places. Like I understand, like maybe if you're in the middle of a, I don't know, some sort of like timed dungeon run or something, maybe that would not make sense. But like even persona three reload, it's like, all right, I can only save in like the entrance to Tartarus or I can save in like a non dungeon area. It's like, sometimes I'm in these dungeons for a long time and I would just love to save because it's like when I was reviewing it, it's like, it is one in the morning and <laughs> I am falling asleep, but I can't stop right now because yeah, no, that's there's nowhere wrong. to save. Uh, so that's a good quality of life improvement for sure. Uh, that comes June 21st at every major platform. Star Wars battlefront classic collection. What is your affection for those old battlefront games? Uh, I mean, none, honestly, okay. I never played them, but I, I know they're beloved. I loved these back in the day. I, I think it was on original Xboxes with the one I was playing where I played both of them and just had a just a ball with all with both <laughs> of these games. Uh, maybe it was PlayStation 2 for one of them and Xbox. For the other. I don't know. It was <clears throat> either way. It was like 20, 25 years ago. So it's been a while, um, but both of them are coming to switch and every other platform remastered with new characters kit fisto and asajj ventress and bonus maps jabba's palace bespin cloud city and yavin 4 arena and it's coming march 14th so i will definitely check these out uh very very soon excited for those because i love those games although i will say star wars battlefront 2 the the modern version <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh very poor naming convention on ea's part by the way if we have star wars battlefront and star wars battlefront 2 which are modern i guess modern reboots of the series and it was star wars battlefront and star wars battlefront 2 were the original versions it's very very confusing it's like how we are currently in call of duty modern warfare 3 but no not the not the one from the mid 2000s we're talking about the one from uh 2023 or whatever i don't know where it's just it i'm so sick of the the names being the exact same as the original versions right i mean i get that you own the trademark to those but come on <laughs> anyway march 14th for the original star wars battlefront one and two to come to switch and other platforms uh <clears throat> sword art online fractured daydream i have no knowledge or affection for the sword art online community or or the the game but i know that it has a community yeah it's an anime about um, getting trapped inside a video game which is like 90% of anime these days makes it perfect for a video game. Exactly. Uh, it's coming sometime this year. It says it has a distorted version of sword art online that features a single player story and the ability to play co-op or raid with 20 players against powerful enemies. Uh, Gundam breaker four. I saw this and immediately thought Blake Hester because he loves his, loves building him some Gundams. <laughs> uh, that's coming in 2024. Let you build your own Gundams and then fight other mechs says there are more than 250 base kits to build and take into battle. Are you a super monkey ball guy, Kyle? Not, not really. I, I like I've, I've dabbled in them and then they're always fun, but it, it, it's never, there's never been one that I've like played start to finish. If that makes sense. I think the second one on GameCube was the one that I was just 
I had so much fun with that because it has like the multiplayer mini games and everything that you can play. Like the one where you're like, you have, you, you have to launch the ball off the ramp and then open up the ball like wings and then soar over onto a target and drop on at the right time. I would play that with my family on like, I remember bringing my GameCube on a family vacation and it was like raining outside. because it was like a beach vacation. And we spent probably like four hours playing just that mini game alone. Yeah. So much fun. But anyway, it's the first all new Super Monkey Ball game in a while. So it's Banana Rumble because the the Switch releases to this point, I believe, are all remasters of um, the original games or the previously, I think it was a Wii exclusive that they put on Switch as well that they remastered with uh, non-motion controls. So Super Monkey Ball Banana Rumble is the new game coming June 25th. uh, And it is... An adventure has an adventure mode with 200 levels and you could play that with four player co-op or you could do 16 player online multiplayer. The uh, monkeys have new moves, including a spin dash, which I don't know if that is exactly what it is in Sonic, but it's Sega. So it would stand a reason that's kind of just like when you press down and jump in Sonic and he kind of does like that, the rolls up into a ball and s- spins yeah, in place you, until you, you let go. You get a nice sprint out of the gate. Right? So I'm imagining that the fact that Sega is putting out a game and one of the moves is a spin dash, I would imagine it's the same move. You could you could picture how that would work in Super Monkey Ball. And then uh, they also announced that there is a digital deluxe version that will come with the Sega DLC pack and that will have six Sega icons added to the character roster plus some Sega customization items. And that's not the first time they've done like the Sega characters being added to super monkey ball i think that like no. kiru and sonic got added yeah, to... even like consoles were in there and stuff yeah you know? it's, like, it's they, they have fun with that series i, I yeah. like super monkey ball a lot but yeah that's coming june 25th not a whole lot of details on this one world of goo 2 which we've been waiting on uh, any information for a while we now know that is a console exclusive for switch coming may 23rd did you ever play world of goo 1 you know, I was really excited for it because it was like an, a very early, maybe even the first, man, maybe not the first, but a very early WiiWare game. Oh. Uh, where it was like, this was like among the first downloadable games on a Nintendo console, right? This was like before the eShop and all that stuff. They were dabbling with like, what if we could sell you a game over the internet, right? Mm-hmm. And World of Goo is like among the first. And I was like, I'm really excited to see how this works, right? Like this, I've never really, I well, I guess I had at that point been downloading games on the Xbox 360 and stuff for Xbox Live Arcade and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm very curious to see how this works with Nintendo. And I ultimately was just kind of like underwhelmed by it. Like I, which is like borderline blasphemy. Cause I know there are people that love world of goo, but I could just never get the hang of it. It's a puzzle game, but it just never like clicked with me. And I never really got super into it. Hmm. I've never played it. So I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. No, like, you know, like Ben Hansen over at min max, former game, former guy. He, I mean, never he's like, he's one of the people who, speaks about it like the second coming of christ like he loves that game maybe i'll have to have him on to talk about world of goo 2 when it comes out may 23rd because he's, it is a console exclusive it. so it, it's definitely a nintendo game uh, i mean not published by nintendo but it is going to be a nintendo topic to talk about because it's not like it's coming to other platforms i'm, I'm assuming since they very intentionally use the phrase console exclusive that probably means it's coming to steam as well probably yeah. but you know, if you're playing on a console, Switch seems like the only place you'll be able to do that. 
All right. Fantasy Life I, The Girl Who Steals Time. Uh, sounds like my time on dating apps back in the day. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, folks. Uh, but anyway, it's a uh, life simulation. Gives you uh, 14 different roles to play as. Um, you're building a town in the present, and then you solve mysteries in the past. And it's available in four-player co-op. So I, I don't know. I kind of like the uh, the bouncing back and forth in time. I don't know how it's going to be executed fully, but that's coming out October 10th. Um, yeah, the DS game was really cool back in the day. Oh, you so you did play the the DS game a little bit? Yeah, it's um, it's it kind of felt like an offline MMO in a way, oh, like um, the way you would have like tasks and you could do different classes and level up your classes, and then the sort of the the activities you were doing were very sort of repetitive in a way that was you know engaging and fun. Um, it, it worked. It was it was a cool little game. Um, this is kind of the first time it, it has. There's like a mobile game and it, it has come and gone here and there, but this is the first time it feels like, okay, we're finally returning to fantasy life. It's kind of what it feels like. Oh, well, I'm, I'm happy for people who are excited for this game because uh, I just don't know what to think of it. it. It sounds like a cool hook in the different roles, building a town in the present and then going in the past and like exploring an island and solving mysteries. It sounds like a cool gameplay loop i just don't know how it's really going to play out so i'll I'll look forward to checking it out but it is coming out in october which makes it any game tough to check out when you're in our line of work so right yeah yeah no kidding especially if it's anything like last october goodness gracious uh another crab's treasure this is one that we've been kind of hearing about for years now and we finally have a release date April 25th, uh, you play as a hermit crab that has lost its shell and you're on an adventure to find it. And basically the hermit crab can jump from pieces of trash in the polluted ocean to use as temporary shells. And each temporary shell has different abilities, which is kind of a cool concept. Um, And it's interesting because there's also been like a lot of those news stories of like hermit crabs being found and they're using like cans of Coke or something or like, I don't know, trash that's in the ocean, which, you know, is a very sad story, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's interesting not a timing. Story. Yeah. It's interesting timing that uh, this game is coming out as those news stories are kind of becoming more prevalent, it seems like. Uh, but yeah, April 25th, that is coming out. It looks very, very cute and could have some cool stuff to, to do within that game. Uh, here was one of the big announcements. Penny's Big Breakaway. The developers from Sonic, who made Sonic Mania, Christian Whitehead and several of the other people, uh, also music from T. Lopes, who did the music for Sonic Mania, as well as uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge. That's out now. Surprise launch. It's out on Switch. It's out on uh, all major platforms, PlayStation, Xbox, Steam. Um, That game, it looks super cool. Didn't you? You've done some coverage of this game, correct? Yeah, uh, we had a big feature in the magazine for it, and I played a little bit of it for an episode of New Gameplay today with uh, oh, Wes. Wes is the one who wrote that big, bigger feature. Um, it's cool. I, I'm interested in this game. It, 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 it's like kind of a throwback. Feels almost like N64 era platforming, but with like modern conveniences. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. I was, I was surprised it suddenly appeared yesterday. Yeah, uh, I'm hopeful report. that that's not a strategic move to like be like put this out and not have any reviews available. <laughs> Cuz a lot of actually full disclosure, sometimes these developers will reach out and be like, "Hey, we're surprised launching a game like later this week or next week or something. 
would you like a code so you can publish a review when the game is out? And we're like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks for the heads up. And thanks for like getting us a code beforehand. I'm hoping this is just like them being extra cautious. since It's their first game as a standalone studio, uh, not working with Sega on, you know, Sonic Mania, obviously. So I'm hoping they were just being extra cautious and it's actually a very good game. I, I mean, there's the pedigree behind it is fantastic. Yeah. Um, Sonic I mean, there's Mania also a business decision a behind the opportunity to be on Nintendo direct and say, Hey, this game's available now. For you sure. know what I mean? Like that's a type of advertising that is hard to turn away. You know? Absolutely. I am actually going to be checking it out uh, for some coverage opportunities over the next several days. So hopefully this time next week, I'll be able to deliver some, if not impressions, maybe a full review. I don't know how long the game is going to be. I don't, I would, I, I can't imagine it's super long, but you never yeah, know. Like see. 3d platformers back in the day could be pretty long. I mean, look at like Banjo Kazooie <laughs> game took forever. Um, especially with all the collectathon stuff, but that's out now on all platforms. And then another one, uh, there's, there, we're ending this uh, direct recap strong here. Pepper Grinder. You've checked out the demo for this game, right? Yeah, I, I, I really liked what I played. It's a cool pixelated sort of platformer with like a unique hook of like swimming through the ground with a drill. Uh, I, I liked what I what I played. I'm, I'm happy it's not too far off. Yeah, there's, there, there's been a Steam demo for a while now, but now there is a Switch demo that is out now. And then we have a, a release date finally for Pepper Grinder, March 28th. I'm very excited to check this out. I think I'm going to download the demo for a trip that I'm about to go on and uh, play that. So Pepper Grinder, March 28th. And then a game that I remember you checking out back in the day. This is a, an old game that was originally an iOS exclusive. Then it came to 3DS pocket card jockey ride on that yeah was released by game freak the developers behind pokemon so that's right they uh it's a horse racing game but you're like drawing cards and i guess it's like a, kind of like deck builder horse racing which is an interesting yeah, concept deck builder probably maybe not i wouldn't use that term i guess because it's kind of like you play solitaire a version of solitaire and then like it translates into how successful your horse is in a race. Okay. It's a funky thing with a good sense of humor. It, I, I quite liked it on 3ds back in the day. All right. Let's see what this pricing is on this because uh, I'm bringing up the eShop page $15. So not, not okay. terrible. Also, I think I'm curious now if the iOS version is like a port of the 3DS game. You know well, what I mean? I, the iOS sure. version came first. Um, right. Oh, really? No, not in America, at least. I mean, it, it came out on iOS. In, OK, in Japan, it came out in 2014. The 3DS version came out in 2013. Oh, interesting. So it was like it was 3DS first, but then the American version, it's kind of it's much more uh fuzzy i i but i i played the i reviewed it on 3ds in 2016 and then it came to apple arcade somewhat recently oh okay um yeah, which is like what's was right a belated now. release compared to japan if that makes sense well either way it's <laughs> it is out now on switch yeah and uh i've always wanted to check this game out but i never have i like solitaire yeah it's fun and i like game freak and I like all horses, up, dude. <laughs> so it's out now. Pocket Card Jockey Ride On. Uh, it is a remastered version of that game. And 
you seem to like it uh, pretty well. So yeah, go check that out if you want. One that I've been waiting for news on, uh, Contra, Operation Galuga. It is a modern reimagining of the original NES Contra with six playable characters. There is a demo out now, which I'll definitely be checking out. There's just so much stuff I need to check out. I also have two full games in Penny's Big Breakaway and another title that I, uh, Comp 2 is the one that I'm, the other one I want to check out. But yeah, between those two games, Operation Galuga and um, the demo for Pepper Grinder, I have quite a bit of stuff to to play on my Switch in the, the coming days. Um, so that is coming out March 12th. So again, right around the corner. Uh, Endless Ocean Luminous was the closer, which people were very excited for this. I was like, really? That's your closer? I was expecting, I mean, you're always hoping for Hollow Knight at this point, but <laughs> I don't know if we're ever going to get it now. Yeah. Just, um, uh, just stop. Just don't wish for it and uh, just be happy when it appears. <laughs> what is the, what is uh, MJ's, uh, thing in spider-man no way home like i always have low expectations so i can never be disappointed (laughs) or whatever her actual line is but endless ocean luminous uh you can go diving with up to 30 players online there's more than four or 500 marine life species to discover and encounter and that comes out may 2nd looks pretty cool i just didn't i just like really that's the closer but people were excited about that. People were like, a new Endless Ocean game. And I'm like, I don't know anything about this series. Yeah, it's like a chill swim around game. I, like there was, there have been a couple of versions that have always been interesting, but it, like it is very much like in the, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking Abzu. for? Like the journey <laughs> sort of like. Well, yeah, Abzu was the, actually. Abzu was like literally like journey, but underwater, right? Yeah, but like even more chill and even and without direction, I, I think, from what I understand, I never really played them. All right. And then the final announcement that we're going to cover coming out of that direct was uh, we have five new games on Nintendo Switch Online available now, and they're all from Xbox owned Rare So obviously Rare has a long history with Nintendo, especially back in the NES through N64 days. Uh, They developed Donkey Kong Country. They developed the Battletoads games. They Banjo-Kazooie. Lots of great games. GoldenEye, yeah. Some of those games are already on Nintendo Switch Online, but these are uh, just a, a full shotgun blast of games. We have Snake Rattle and Roll and RC Pro Am from NES. Battletoads in Battle Maniacs and Killer Instinct on SNES and then Blast Corps on N64. All uh, The NES and SNES games are available like normal Switch Online subscription and then Blast Corps, you have to have the expansion pack in order to access the N64 library. But, uh, you know, Rare titles. Rare has a lot of really great games in its catalog. I think we were hopeful that it was going to be Rare Replay. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Um it is these games coming to Switch Online, which still very, very welcomed. I'm always yeah. in favor of more of these classic titles from Rare making their way over to their, you know, the the successor to the lineage of the original platforms. Like, you know, having Donkey Kong Country available on Switch just feels right. Same thing for RC Pro-Am being available on a Nintendo platform because so many people played that on an NES. So uh, are there any here that really stick out for you? Oh, Blast Corps, I have a lot of affection for. Um, that was a game that I would rent all the time. When I first got my N64, uh, I would get Blast Corps. And it's one that like I want to go back to 
and and genuinely play a little bit because it, when I was young it was quite hard and I never like finished it or even got past the first like few levels and it's one of those things where it's like I bet as an adult I can make a lot more progress now and it would be kind of fun to to go back and, and give it a shot um and then Killer Instinct I also I have affection for as well the Super Nintendo game See I don't have much affection for any of these games aside from RC Pro Am that's the one that I really thought was a cool game back in the day even when I fire up Rare Replay, I like to play it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've never played the Battletoads SNES game, so I'll need to check that out. Because I remember getting into fights with my friend in second grade playing the NES Battletoads because that game is so challenging and unfair at a lot of times. And of course, you blame your co-op partner for that. So, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, yeah, Battletoads in Battle Maniacs. I'll definitely check that out. Um, Killer Instinct, I have played the newer versions, but I don't know if I ever played it on SNES. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah, so that, I hope, I hope killer instinct gold comes at, at some point. That'd that would be, be nice. That was, that was one that I played a lot of. So that's the full rundown of the announcements that we wanted to cover. Obviously we glanced over a few of the smaller ones. What were the big ones that stuck out for you? Um, Epic Mickey was probably the biggest, like unexpected surprise that I was like, Oh, that's cool. I'm glad, I'm glad Disney hasn't forgotten that game. And I would, I'm totally open to an excuse to, to replay it. Uh, so that was like probably the biggest, most exciting for me. I'm like kind of scrolling back through and then maybe <laughs> in a very personal way, like blast core on my switch. I, I, I'm very happy to have an excuse to, to go back and revisit that. Um, but yeah, probably Epic Mickey for me. Okay, so I have a list here. I mean, the rare games on Switch are on my list. I think that's really cool. Penny's Big Breakaway. Uh, that was like the, what? It's available now. I remember we were watching it and, you know, it wasn't a premiere on YouTube, so you could scrub through. And I guess Marcus, about like five or six minutes in, because I was writing a, the news stories about the Xbox games coming to Switch, Marcus was like, Penny's Big Breakaway is out today. And I'm like, what? That's incredible. Like, because I've <laughs> been waiting surprising. for that game. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for Star Wars Battlefront Collection, Contra, um, Pepper Grinder looks awesome. Arranger was kind of like maybe the biggest surprise in terms of like, oh, I didn't know about this game and it looks really cool. Like Pepper Grinder, I was already aware of. Contra, I was already aware of. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, I discovered a new game that looks cool and I'm going to look forward to, I would say a ranger is the, the, the leader there. Um, but yeah, I think that Penny's big breakaway Contra star Wars pepper grinder are like the ones that I'm like most looking forward to playing. Um, so yeah, that is the Nintendo direct partner showcase. And again, we'll have another live stream to cover next week with the Pokemon day Pokemon presents live stream. I'm just tying up my tongue with these, these names here. <laughs> uh, but before I let you go, Kyle, and before we move on to the final segment, I did want to read a listener email that comes from Greg in Columbus, Ohio. He had some stuff to say regarding a discussion that we had on the Universal Epic Universe theme park that's opening in Florida next year. Uh, that's where the Super Nintendo World location in Orlando is going to open. And he says in his email, quote, I just finished your current All Things Nintendo podcast episode. In case you haven't seen it, this YouTube video should get you excited about possible Pokemon, Zelda, and Luigi's Mansion attractions at Universal Amusement Parks in Florida. And he links to a YouTube thing. And I guess I'll just paraphrase the YouTube thing. So we're not going to just play the entire YouTube thing here. But uh, to paraphrase the video, uh, it came out about a month ago. And it's from a channel called Theme Park Stop. And it reports on rumors that Pokemon is scheduled to replace the Simpsons 
area in Universal Studios Florida. Zelda will replace the now largely defunct Lost Continent in Islands of Adventure, and Luigi's Mansion will join Epic Universe alongside the uh, Super Nintendo world that's going to have Mario and Donkey Kong. And that's going to happen over the next several years. And apparently they're going to replace the recently closed American or American amazing Spider-Man ride at Universal Studios Japan that Alex Van Aken and I went to when we were out there for Street Fighter Six cover story. They're going to re- they've already closed the amazing Spider-Man ride, which is unfortunate. It's older, but I, we went on that together and it was a it was a good ride even though it was completely in Japanese and I had no idea what was going on aside from seeing Spider-Man and several of his enemies. <laughs> I know him. Across. Yeah. Hey, that's Spider-Man. What's he doing in Japan? And uh, they're replacing that with a Pokemon ride uh, reportedly in the Osaka location. So it seems like they're already kind of getting the ball rolling on getting some, uh, some Nintendo, other Nintendo properties at universal studios. And so the email continues here. Also, I think when the Epic Universe announcement came out, when they said it will be a week-long destination, I think they meant that they consider the four parks in Universal Orlando Resort, Universal Studios Florida, Islands of Adventure, Volcano Bay, which is a water park, and mm-hmm. the new Epic Universe. Plus the City Walk area, they want to pull you away from Disney and their four current parks. And then he continues with the last paragraph. Finally, I believe Steven Spielberg had varying degrees of input on the Universal Parks and Attractions. I seem to recall he had a large part of getting Islands of Adventure put together in the late 90s. Plus, E.T. and Jurassic Park are still running at Universal Studios Orlando. He's also a producer on movies that are attractions at the park like Transformers. Thanks for the great podcast series. Thank you, Greg, for the informative email all the way from Columbus, Ohio. So, uh, yeah, just some (laughs) interesting follow-ups on a conversation. I believe Wes was on that episode with me. Uh, or maybe it was Charles. I don't know. So, somebody other than you, I think, Kyle, <laughs> was on that episode. And we were talking <laughs> about the plans for uh, Universal's Epic Universe Park that is opening in 2025 in Orlando, Florida. So I'm very excited to go visit that. I was uh, just actually on the phone with my mom telling her because they, they have a house down in Florida. And I'm like, we need to maybe schedule something for 2025 when Epic Universe <laughs> opens and like we could all take a family trip down there because it seems like it's going to be pretty cool. Um. But yeah, have you been keeping up with the uh, the stuff going on with Epic Universe down in uh, Orlando? I mean, not actively. I like I I I'm curious to see what the official announcements are. I'm I'm very hopeful for some Zelda stuff. That would be amazing. Know? Yeah, uh, but it, it but uh, yeah, I, I, it's not like a, a rumor mill that I keep an eye on. So you know sense. about the announcement though about what Epic Universe is going to be, right? It's like five distinct areas. There's like a central hub that's like kind of like non licensed IP. Then there's Super Nintendo World, which is going to have the Mario and the Donkey Kong area, which is awesome. And it's going to be hopefully a lot more spacious than the one in Hollywood. Uh, there's going to be a How to Train Your Dragon area. There's going to be a Harry Potter area. And then there's going to be a Dark Universe area, which is like all you know all the, the monster movies that Universal owns. <laughs> that one Tom Cruise movie? <laughs> <laughs> hey, there was like, there were some other ones. Like there's like Dracula and... Uh, I mean, that, that, but they, that was they the started dark... calling it Dark Universe for yeah. that Tom Cruise movie, and then they were just like, everyone was like, "Yeah, we don't want this." But yeah, we don't, for we trying. don't need to do any more of this. <laughs> There's that one picture that exists that I don't think any of those actors were present for at the same time. I think they just right, them all right. together. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is the uh, Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase. That is the listener email, and that's all the other news that I think you need to know this week from the world of Nintendo. Kyle, where can people find you online? 
Uh, you know, the internet generally. <laughs> yeah, Twitter, Blue Sky, those places, TikTok. I use them all. All right, well, we're going to kick you out of here, let you get about your day, and then uh, we're going to take a break. And when we get back, I'll be joined by someone who has played Princess Peach Showtime as well as another game that we're going to use as an eShop Gem of the Week. We're going to hear all about those games after this brief musical intermission. Though this week's Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase didn't contain any Nintendo news, we have a Nintendo game to talk about. Princess Peach Showtime comes out next month, and the trailers have done little more than whet my appetite and raise a bunch of questions. So thankfully I have somebody joining me for this second and final segment that has actually played Princess Peach Showtime. Joined now by Game Informer's own Alex Van Aken. Alex, how are you doing? Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you back. It's been quite a while since you've been on All Things Nintendo. I know the first time you came on, it was talking about like the Animal Crossing anniversary, and I think I've had you on like two times outside of that, but it's it's a rare thing that you're on the show, and I don't know why that is, because you like Nintendo games, I like I Nintendo do. games, and uh, this podcast is about Nintendo games, so you'd think it would be like a regular contributor here, but apparently not. But we're, we're glad to have you on now. You recently flew to sunny New York City. Oh, yeah. The City of Angels. The City of Angels, they call it. The Windy City itself. Yes. And played a little bit of Princess Peach Showtime. So this is a game where they announced it last year. I was I had tinfoil hat conspiracy theory all over it because the Nintendo Direct that they announced it, they kept saying, coming to Nintendo Switch in 2024, coming to Nintendo Switch in whatever release date was i remember very distinctly seeing this trailer on the nintendo direct where they announced it and they just said coming in 2024 and i was like oh is that a like a hint that it's not for switch it's for another platform and turns out i was wrong so (laughs) you flew to new york you got some time with this game i still have no idea really what this title even is Aside from like she has different costumes and transformations. So I guess give us a rundown of how this game actually plays. Yeah. So the way I kind of look at Princess Peach Showtime after playing it for about an hour um, is definitely one of the more simplistic Nintendo mascot games we've had in recent years. I think it's up there with like, um, you know, the where it kind of sits for me in terms of like what you're actually doing in the game, like uh, think of like on one end of the spectrum, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, having these cool powers that are very uh, uh, varied and um, and kind of running around levels built for those those uh, powers. And then somewhere on the other end of the spectrum is like fun Mario Party mini games. And that's kind of like in a way where I, where I see princess peach fitting in, it is very, it is very much a action game. Um, peach has the ability to interact with, uh, this stage that, and I should rewind for a second. This game takes place in a playhouse that has been overtaken by uh, a group of villains. The villains leader is grape and her minions are called the sour bunch. 
and uh, they have kind of taken over the spotlight uh, at the Sparkle Theater, which is like uh, Mushroom Kingdom Sparkle Theater. Peach gets uh, looped into this this conflict and has to help uh, kind of get get the show back on track. Um, and she does this by visiting um, many different theaters and almost think of of like entering these theaters as like being in like the the castle lobby in Super Mario 64 where like you go through a door and it's going to lead you to to like a new level. You aren't jumping through paintings or anything like that, but like very, very similar uh, format. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And these these levels play out across a, a theatrical stage. And so Peach is the camera is locked to a 2D perspective as if you were in the audience watching the play, right? Okay. But, that. but Peach moves throughout a 3D space still. Um, so you're kind of moving back and forth, like from the foreground to the background of the, the set and, um, you know, solving very small, easy puzzles, um, uh, you know, dealing with bad guys by using Peach's powers um, and that she gets her powers by there's a, a, a guardian uh it's like a magical guardian it looks like a ribbon with a smiley face on it and it gives uh princess peach this piece of magical ribbon to kind of whip around almost like um uh i think somebody on the game informer show compared it to like the sailor moon transformations yeah 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 um how they kind of whip around the cloth and it kind of helps transform them it reminds me of that that's a really great way to kind of illustrate that paint that piece of imagery and uh, so you'll you'll use that that little ability to um, to kind of transform your helpers. So there are these new characters uh, called Thetes, T-H-E-E-T-S, Thetes. And they are the residents of this playhouse. They're the working actors, they're the production crew. Uh, they live here. And so Grape and the Sour Bunch have kind of um, uh, dislodged them from their home and... And so that's part of the motivation for Peach to, you know, helping get things back on track. Uh, and so th- a lot of times you find these these feats running away from um, the uh, the minion, the bad guys. You'll see them like cowering in place. And a lot of the time, typically it, they are they are almost always highlighted with like a stage spotlight, like these um, characters that you can kind of you can kind of transform them into more um courageous versions of themselves and that's kind of how how each play typically starts is like you finding them in distress uh kind of inspiring them as princess peach and you just like press a button and she kind of if you're next to them it'll like help you know yassify them um (laughs) and and then you and then they kind of typically come up with a plan to okay here's how we get this this particular play back on track and so those plays uh, are associated with uh, the the transformations maybe people have seen in the marketing for this game so princess peach can turn into a baker she can turn into a mermaid and a figure skater um a swordsman uh, a ninja there's there's a there's superhero myriad, superhero yeah there, there's one that the superhero one in particular i think looks like proto man from mega the mega man series um and yeah all of these outfits uh as far as i know based on my demo you only get one outfit per play there was never a situation in which i was transforming into multiple 
different kinds of characters per play. Maybe that happens later on. That seems like a very Nintendo thing to do mm -hmm. uh, later on in the game. Uh, but I was very much at the what seems like the beginning. Um, and so it was, you know, one set of powers per play. And you would usually pick up the transformation about halfway through. So you'd start out as just Peach kind of work through and figure out like a plan and then about halfway through putting that plan in motion you get the power up and you use that for uh and that that's really where the fun lies like i'd say like up until you get those transformations it's it's pretty one note but then once you once you get the transformation for each stage that's when it's like okay here's here's the loop of this of this stage play um and it's and it's that's very much where i consider uh like Mario party as like inspirations for some of these scenarios, like mm -hmm. uh, the, the baking level, right? Uh, Peach goes and gathers ingredients because the sour bunch has like stolen all the catering and stuff. And like they've messed up this play that's about food. Right. And so she goes and gets, gets the ingredients, comes back to the kitchen and has to help the thieves to bake all of this, all this food. And um, you know, the, the first, the first mini game, you're like tapping the a button, uh, or the B button rather uh, repeatedly trying to like leaven batches of dough, but you don't want to over mix them. Otherwise you'll ruin the dish. And so it's this mini game um, where you're trying to like get the timing just precise on that. And then delivering those pieces of the, the cake to uh, catering carts that are rolling by in the, in the background. Um, and then, you know, the next one is like, which was the highlight for me was like a cake decorating mini game where, there is a um, a design, like a paper drawn design of what the cake should look like. And Peach has to use like a giant icing bag uh, and other ingredients to replicate what's on the sketch. And if you get it right, um, you know, it, there's like a really cool animation and it looks really beautiful and you get points. Right. Uh, and those actually like I, I, I failed uh, towards the end of that mini game because oh, wow. like they get they get like pretty complicated. Well, I was actually um, worried, like when you're describing all this stuff and like from a conversation that we had on the Game Informer show that mm -hmm. you uh, you graciously host, uh, you were talking about the the way it's definitely feels like a, a game that's geared towards kids. Yes, However, I still think that like it, it, it gives me a little bit of uh, reassurance that there was one that was at least a little bit challenging for you. Yeah, yeah. And I still passed, but like I could have like I didn't have to go and re redo it. That's where I kind of think of it more as a kid's game. Right. Mm -hmm. But me as an adult, if I want to go and get all of the I think they're called like sparkles, um, they're, they're like the collectible in the game. Uh, if I want to get all of them, then I need to like perfect that mini game. Right. Um, and I believe there's like vendors that you can cash those into for outfits I don't want to speak out of turn because I didn't they they weren't able to show me that um, during my demo and couldn't really speak to the details of it. But there seems to be some kind of like vendor system um, in the lobby of the hotel. And I imagine that those sparkles kind of play into that. Um, but but I don't have full confirmation of that. But there are these sparkles that you collect and you need to like maximize the mini games and and. Maybe it's unfair to call all of them mini games. I think the baking one in particular, they very much it very much feels like a series of mini games. But there are other mm -hmm. ones, like the cowboy one that that is more reminiscent of like is like an action experience, right? Uh, where you get the you transform into Cowboy Peach, 
And now you have this lasso. So you can lasso enemies to beat them. Uh, you can lasso um, objects in the environment uh, or, or like barrel. There's a there's a really cool boss fight. I wouldn't say really cool, but a fun boss fight. <laughs> it's like it's we've seen it before. It's like very much the Nintendo boss fight formula. Kind of kind of bare bones, but still fun to do. Like there's this three phase boss fight against this uh, evil cowboy and he's shooting shotgun slugs at you and you have to lasso a barrel and throw it back at him. But the pattern in which uh, his, his, uh, his slugs fire at you change. And so sometimes you'll accidentally throw it at him and his bullets will destroy the barrel that you just threw. So you have to like be able to dodge the shots he's firing and, and learn the cadence of his shots to correctly hit him with the barrel that you lasso. And so if you do that three times, you beat the boss, right? Um, but it does have a lot of personality. I think this game, I kind of spoke on the game former show about like the presentation value in this game. I think it's uh, a very pretty game. It's definitely um, uh, runs into like some technical challenges here and there. I don't want to mm. speak too much to those because it, the game isn't out yet, right? They can still polish that stuff for like menus and cutscenes. Uh, we're, we're struggling in certain areas. Um, but largely like the game ran uh, well enough. I think it's at about 30 frames per second just by my, my naked eye. Um, and I didn't see too many drops during actual uh, gameplay. There were a couple moments in like big scenes where there's a lot on screen, but nothing that really hindered my, it was nothing close to something like Scarlet and Violet, right? It, just like that, that um, familiar, um, I don't know. a little bit of a dip. Yeah, a little bit of a dip here and there that that have kind of uh, cropped up in recent, you know, Nintendo games on the Switch, right? Yeah, um, I was just talking about that in the last segment with Kyle about how I think just like everybody, not just the players, but like the developers, I think are ready for a new Nintendo piece of hardware. Yeah, yeah, that definitely shows in this. But regardless, like the there are a lot of art assets in this game because they're making assets for every single stage and obviously i don't know like how they're gonna if i assume they're gonna reuse some of them later in the game but like i was really impressed with like the various it's very much an art forward um game and uh it's really pretty to look at and seeing all of it in like these paper set like dressing uh it's it's really nice to look at and it and it adds a lot of personality to the game there's cool moments where like you're transitioning scenes on on the stage for instance, like I went into a cave in the ninja section of the game mm-hmm. uh, and the cave that, that Peach needs to go into to like eventually unlock her ninja outfit. She goes to the entrance of the cave and instead of like going inside of the cave like you would in like a, a, another game, the set rotates around you and and like the and suddenly you're inside of a cave, right? Like like you That's might cool. imagine a set would change in an actual play. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of fun flourishes like that that really bring a lot of personality to the game that I really enjoy. Um, and overall, like I'm, I am, I think like this is going. I said in my preview, like seemingly this is going to fit really nicely in Nintendo's catalog of action mascot games. I think, uh, it, you know, there is something here to that is that offers something different than you would get in a game that has like you know, Mario Kirby or Yoshi. Like it definitely feels like, okay, they're kind of carving out an identity for peach uh, in this, in this game, if it were to become a series. Right. Yeah. Um, And it's smart because like 
especially coming off the heels of the Mario movie just over a year ago, it's like, you know, Peach was such like a, a main character in that. She was far from the damsel in distress that she was in so many of the early Mario games in particular. So it makes sense to give her a starring role in a game as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, we're getting I, I'm still thinking that we're going to get a new Donkey Kong game at some point. We just got Mario versus Donkey Kong. But I feel like Nintendo really wants to capitalize on the fact that maybe an entirely new generation of of kids are now familiar with the, the cast of Mario. And they see Peach as an action star now because of her role in the movie, as opposed to kind of how we have thought of her over the years is kind of like, oh, she's been somebody who Mario has saved. So that's yeah. smart to do that. And same thing with Donkey Kong, like having him step back into the forefront in his appearance in the movie, it would make sense to capitalize on. That. I mean, they're doing a Luigi's Mansion remaster. Obviously, yeah. Mario just got Mario Wonder. So it's like, do, have really... you on the on the subject of Donkey Kong? And I apologize for interrupting. Uh, have you talked about like the idea that like people are are speculating that maybe we're getting like a DK sixty four remake? Uh, oh, I haven't heard that. Because I guess like a lot of uh, several rare games are coming to the eShop, right? And uh, and there's a lot of rare games already, uh, like on the sorry on the the, the catalog, right? And uh, I guess DK sixty four people were like, it's not here. Where is it? And people are speculating like, oh, what if we got a DK sixty four remaster or remake from Nintendo? I think that'd be cool. I worry that it's it's less complicated than that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> My worry is that it's just that if they put it out, people would realize that it sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry for the DK60, but like the collectible stuff on that was so convoluted and like it it just aside from having Donkey Kong in it, it just feels like it is a worse Banjo-Kazooie. That's fair. And I, you know, I DK, DK64, I remember wanting to play it so bad when I was a kid because Donkey Kong Country was one of my favorite games of all time at that moment. And I remember playing it at like a Toys R Us. They had like a kiosk set because I never had an expansion pack. It's the same reason I never yeah. played Majora's Mask growing up. And I remember playing it and just being like, this is fine. And then like in the time since I've like played some of it i've watched like a lot of youtube videos dissecting it i'm like this just does not look like something i would enjoy (laughs) especially like in the 2020s that's fair that's fair Uh, but but yeah back to princess peach i think i I got us off off track um but yeah overall like i'm i'm looking forward to playing it i uh i said on the game for sure like i don't think it's gonna blow anybody's socks off um but it is like a pleasant game to play uh i i want to play it myself um, it, it very much like is, I wouldn't say it's like on, and granted the game's not out. I, my opinions could change right now. Like I don't see it like topping something like, um, you know, Bowser's fury or oh yeah odyssey. It's not that level of, of game. It's much more in line with like, I would say like, like one of some of the recent Kirby releases and stuff like that. Um, did you get but, a sense of who was developing the game? No, I didn't. Because uh, like on Wikipedia, I mean, Nintendo never puts the developer name on the eShop page. So it just says like publisher Nintendo. And that's what Wikipedia says as well. It does not. It's, it's a very rare case that Wikipedia does not list a developer. And the Princess Peach Showtime just says publisher Nintendo. 
Yeah. I, I do wonder see if it's, it's a, a it's white label studio. I mean, it's possible. Uh, it does say it's used Unreal Engine 4, which is interesting. Huh. Um, I don't know how prevalent that is in Nintendo development. I honestly don't <laughs> like I, I, I like I don't really pay attention too much to like the engines, but that that is one thing that caught my eye on the Wikipedia page. Um, one concern that I do have, I already voiced my other concern that it would be too easy because they're gearing towards like the family audience. Uh, a lot of times when you see games like this, where they try to do like 15 different actions and everything, they're not good at any of them, you know, like it's like, okay, these are all adequate, but none of them are like really good. Did you get a sense of like where this exists on that spectrum? Like were all of the actions like satisfying or were there some that just like felt kind of half baked? Uh, I would lean more on like the adequate side of things. Like again, it didn't really, the actions themselves didn't blow me away. Um, I think like there are moments where, I was definitely wanting to see the next one, the next mm-hmm. transformation. Like they were satisfying enough for me to want to continue seeing more of them. And like, um, but it wasn't like, oh man, like they, they could spin off a whole game based on this idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like this power is so well done. Uh, it very much seems like, um, serviceable and and, and so, with some exceptions i think like the baking one was really fun i honestly would like really like a game with peach decorating cakes like i had a lot that was honestly the, the highlight for me and it is like a simpler thing but like uh, a simpler mechanic but like i still very much enjoyed that part of it whereas when it's trying to be um you know like more straightforward action focused yeah that's kind of where it kind of loses me like i want the weird the weird scenario i want the weirdo stuff right i want to see what um <laughs> was one of them like flying thief peach or something like that like dashing thief dashing peach, thief I yeah i want to see what what that does and like is there a detective mechanic do i have to solve a mystery well there is a uh, like or, a detective peach there's a, yeah yeah that's what i'm confusing it with i'm sorry i didn't get to see that one unfortunately during my my event yeah, um, I think there there's dashing thief peach and detective peach. I think this game will those edge cases like those those less straightforward uh, abilities I think will be where this game could uh find an audience. Like I want I want the weird stuff and the funny stuff. And I felt like I was getting that with with some more than others. Like there was a, a sword fighter peach um and that one was fine. I, I did like the level, like the set dressing and stuff. Like you're kind of scaling a castle rampart, uh, clearing it of like uh, these vines that have taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but like, it just doesn't really do much for me in the gameplay section of that. Whereas, yeah, like the figure skater peach one was fun. I'm like ice skating around. I have to participate in this ice skating competition. I haven't really done this in a game that I can think of. And even though it's simple, it's still novel, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think if I can lean into the novelty of, you know, what's, what's mermaid peach. Is that just going to be like an underwater level? Is there going to be something interesting there? It seems like there's some sort of musical element to it. Okay. Yeah. See that, that's kind of stuff I want to see them explore um, with this game and, and hopefully they do. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's not like you said, it's not something that's like, <laughs> 
oh my god, Mario Wonders like out in two weeks. I can't wait. It, it's not something like yeah, that. Yeah. But it is something that like when it comes out, I'm definitely going to be interested in checking it out and seeing kind of like the the different angles that they approach this story from, especially given the different mechanics and just like how weird they can take it. Yeah, like I'm sure like the the action elements are going to be fine. But like the patisserie peach that you're talking about where she's baking the cake, that sounds like, okay, this is where it really like differentiates itself from stuff like Kirby and the Forgotten Land or Super Mario Odyssey, where it's like, okay, they do a transformation and they gain a new power. This seems like it, it that's where it starts differentiating itself. It's not just like, okay, I'm, I have this power and I can attack enemies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Princess Peach Showtime, uh, something that is on my radar for sure. It comes out almost exactly a month from today, March 22nd. So uh, by the time you're listening to this episode, it is less than a month away. And uh, as you might imagine, exclusive on Switch. So Alex, before I let you go, we're going to do eShop Gem of the Week. And I know you have I a love this. One. I love this segment. Yes, you have a good one for this week because yes. this is one that is kind of lighting parts of the internet on fire currently, and it just hit Switch this week. So tell us all about your eShop Gem of the Week. Yeah, it's called Balatro. Uh, you spell it B-A-L-A-T-R-O, uh, and it is a poker-inspired roguelite um, where you are... Uh, facing off against ever increasingly difficult blinds. Those are like, uh, like the poker, like you have to, it's essentially like, um, you're fighting, you're like playing against the house a little bit and you have to like beat a certain score. Right. And so the way you beat this score, uh, is by throughout a run, you are leveling up your cards. You're adding really cool modifiers to them, uh, and playing out like poker hands, like, I've got a full house here or I've got a flush here or, Oh, I only have a pair or a high card here, but maybe I can use my modifiers um, or my, I can rely on my jokers, which are a big part. That's actually what Balatro means. It's like a, it's what they used to call like jesters and stuff um, in the, in the uh, ancient times. Um, And these, these joker cards have all sorts of fun, uh, abilities that modify the game of poker in interesting ways um you know and sometimes it feels like they're breaking the game a little bit um but that's very much where like the fun lies in balatro is like coming up with like recipes for um okay like i really like this joker card and next time i see it in the the shop which is like this mid-game checkpoint like in between uh blinds or in between rounds that you're playing you take your earnings and spend it on cards to level up your deck mid run and if you fail you start over but you do unlock uh, new kinds of joker cards you unlock new decks to play with um as you play the game and uh, it's it's just a ton of fun it i have i i think on the gi show uh this week i said i was about five hours in and i had the game for like uh 24 hours or so now 48 <laughs> hours in i'm at almost 10 hours played so i'm pace. averaging about five hours a day it's it's wow it runs it's i haven't played it on switch i've been playing on steam deck but um it runs great there so i imagine it'll it'll uh lend itself well to the switch um and it's that it's it's gonna be one of those games i think i play throughout the year 
and uh, I think you definitely need to have your eyes on this one. I believe it is only uh, oh it's only gosh. fifteen bucks. Yeah, fifteen bucks. Yeah, um, there might be a launch discount. I'm not sure. I know in a couple platforms there are, but yeah, uh, the MSRP is fourteen ninety nine. Well worth it. Um, very cool game. Yeah, we have multiple people on staff playing it now, and I can't wait to dive in. I've been spending so much time focused on Final Fantasy VII Rebirth that yeah. I haven't had a chance to dive into these other games. I talked about Penny's Big Breakaway earlier this episode. Um, you know, Comp 2 is another one that I really want to uh, dig into, and Balatro is right up there with both of those. So I'm sure I'll be able to share some of my own impressions on all of those games, maybe even next episode, but... Uh, you know, it's it's all going to be up in the air. I'm going to be traveling this coming week and weekend. So I have some plane rides ahead of me that I could maybe check out a lot of these games in the, the coming days. So, yeah, Alex, thanks so much for joining me for this episode of All Things Nintendo. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Appreciate it. And thank you so much to everyone for listening. Do me a favor. If you haven't already, throw All Things Nintendo a five star review and hit that subscribe button. If you want to get any questions or comments in, you can get in touch with me at allthingsnintendo at GameInformer.com or hit me up on social media at Brian P. Shea. You can also join the Game Informer community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel, even just for one month. Alex, tell everyone where they can find you online. Yeah, you can follow me at It's Van Aken on uh, Twitter slash X, Instagram. Uh, those, that's primarily where I, where I post, but go follow me over there. Um, appreciate it and you can also find my work on of course game informer and our youtube channel youtube.com slash game informer that is our show for this week thank you all again so much for listening take care we'll see you next time